this far along the way God you have by your might led us into the light keep us on the path we pray meet us now God in this moment as your spirit has hovered over this place and made its presence known God speak to our hearts and in the process of speaking to our hearts don't miss our heads that we might be more act more and do more like you in the world when we leave this place we pray this all in your holy names amen I bring you all greetings from the Emmanuel Congregational Church, United Church of Christ in Watertown, New York, where I have the privilege of serving as the pastor. I want to thank you all, uh, namely Reverend Tara and the rest of the team for this invitation to be with you all this morning. I hope and pray that there's something that is said that might stir your hearts and move us closer and more fully into being inclusive uh, for all of God's children. I'm going to start this morning by telling you a little bit of my story. Thank you, Matt. I, I happened to grow up right across the street from a church, a Baptist church, as a matter of fact. Long before I got into the building, I heard the sounds of the church. I heard the preacher preaching, and I could hear the people shouting in response. I could hear the choir singing and the church mothers yelling in response. Long before I got into the church, physically, I heard the sounds. I remember having a conversation with my parents at the time my family was nominally religious. We knew about God. We even called on God's name, many different names. But we didn't go to church. So I heard the sounds in the distance before I ever made a way into the building. Had a conversation with my parents and I said, I really, really, really would like to go to church. And they finally relented and said, okay, we think you should be able to go to church. Made my way across the street to get into the church that I had been listening to the sounds of only to find out there was no way in. This beautiful edifice surrounded by stained glass windows and palm trees because I grew up in the city of Miami was also surrounded by stairs. See, this building where presumably they had been preaching this message that everyone was welcome, I couldn't get into. So it was a bit ironic 
that on my first Sunday in the church, I got in and the, the song that they happened to be singing during devotion was open the door and open it wide and let them come in. Needless to say, they weren't singing about me. So, it ended up being that same church, that very same church that the sounds drew me in and the one that I couldn't get in when I first got there that shaped and formed me in my faith. The same church that I experienced the call to ministry in. The same church where I sat for Sunday school and learned about people like David. Maybe, maybe you've been around the church long enough and you know a little bit about David. You know the one who killed the lion and the bear. The one who used a slingshot to take out Goliath. The one whom Samuel would eventually come and anoint to be king. That same David, the one who abused his power as king when he laid down with Bathsheba and then sent her husband to war so that he might die so he could cover up his indiscretion. It was that same church whose sounds I heard in the distance, the one whose building I couldn't get into who taught me about David. That same church that taught me about David forgot to teach me about Mephibosheth. Now maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, preacher, I've been in church a long time and I have never heard the name Mephibosheth. Guess what? You wouldn't be by yourself. Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is the grandson of Saul who was the king of Israel. The grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan. Jonathan, the same one whom David loved so deeply that scholars believe it was a little bit more than friendship going on in their relationship. Mephibosheth, the same one who, when his caretaker found out that Saul and, and Jonathan had been killed at war, rushed off trying to protect him and dropped him. And so scripture says he became crippled or lame in both his feet. Mephibosheth, the one whom, when David was looking for someone to show kindness to, found out about him and said, he needs a seat at the table. See, David had given Mephibosheth away in. Or at least that's the way it seems on the surface, right? We might listen to this story and think, oh wow, David was such a benevolent individual. Look at that. He took the lowly cripple and lame and, and, and gave him a seat at the table. I want to shake up that perception a little bit. Can I ruin some of your perceptions by saying that a seat at the table is not enough? Yes, Mephibosheth had a seat at the table and, and David had given him all of these things, but if you read the text closely, Mephibosheth actually never says anything except one thing in conversation with David. 
Why would you have mercy on me, king, the one who is but a dead dog? The one time that he speaks in his interaction with David, he's self-deprecating. Why? I'm going to read myself a little bit into the text and, and other disabled people into the text in this moment and say that sometimes self-deprecation is the thing that saves us. It's the shield that protects us when people believe they are giving us access. But access is not community. Those two are not the same thing. Just because you have given me a seat at the table does not mean that you actually care what I have to say. And we learn that by looking at what happens with Mephibosheth. You see, he's sat at the table, presumably based on what scripture tells us, all the days of the rest of his life. And yet, David never inquires what he thinks about his position at the table. That should give us pause. Because as people of faith who seek to be inclusive, we love to make lists of those whom we seek to include. And we wear those as badges of honor. Yes, we are open and affirming. Yes, we believe black lives matter. Yes, we have women in leadership. But where do, go, where do we go beyond that? Are we doing what David did to Mephibosheth and tokenizing his presence at the table? Just so that we can pat ourselves on the back and say that we've done a good job. Access and community are not the same thing. We've got to get beyond providing a way in. I used to think, I was convinced for years that all I needed was a way in the building. And then I made it in and found out my presence didn't make that big of a difference. Why? Because nobody really cared that I was there. You see, it was beneficial when my face could be on the church's website. And people could say, we got a sprinkle of diversity. Look, we got that member who has a disability and he happens to be black. I look good, but it's not enough. When will we create space to hear from, to be challenged by people who don't fit the mold of what we consider to be normative? This is why you heard just a few moments ago that text read from the book of Mark. Some might ask, why in the world would you put a Hebrew scripture in conversation with this healing that takes place in the book of Mark? In that particular text, Jesus is at a house church for all intents and purposes. He's preaching what looks to be a revival and there's not enough room for anybody to hear from him. 
And I can imagine being Jesus in the middle of giving my message when all of a sudden I hear some rustling on the roof. No, it's not Santa and his reindeer. But there's some friends who are intent on dropping their friend down into the middle of this meeting. And I know that you probably think I'm going to talk about this man's healing and talk about the perseverance of the friends and getting him in. But remember, I told you access does not equal community. I want us to look at that text and think about it from the perspective of what it means to decenter what we think to be normal. This man dropped in the center of the meeting, disrupts everything and causes people to look at themselves. That's why Jesus asked the question, what's easier for me to forgive his sins or for him to say, just get up and be whole? One of the things that we're holding on to that have created a prison for us and those around us. This man is dropped into the center of the room and he becomes known in a way that nobody has known him before. Because something happens when you are known in community. Access does not equal community. But what happens when you get in community is that you find out who you are as a person. Look at this happen in the book of Mark, and I believe it could have happened with David's interaction with Mephibosheth, but we've so easily turned him into the savior of the text that we forget Mephibosheth's presence in the text. The one who shows us where we have fallen short and including the voices of those who are different than our own. The ones who challenge us to think about how we've pushed people to the margins over and over and over again, only to bring them out at convenient times during the year, to parade them for our own self aggrandizement. I know it's a hard word, y'all. It's a hard word, especially when you think you've arrived. I just stopped by here from upstate New York to tell you there's still more work to be done. We haven't arrived yet. Yes, I want to weigh in to the building. A way in is good, but I want to be welcomed into community so that you might know me and I might know you and that we might get to know God together. May it be so for each and every one of us today and every day moving forward. Amen.